Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! All right, episode 29 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Frank from GSF in Chicago. Let's go! Hey. What's up, guys? What's happening? Beautiful. Just beautiful. We were wondering if you were going to have a Santa outfit on. (laughs) So what's going on, man? Nothing, brother. Uh, Just another day, right? Uh, Year's almost over. Let's bring on 2021. Yeah, for real. Were you working at all today or just kind of came in? Yeah, no, I uh, I worked a little bit this morning. I, it was kind of a messed up day. I had actually uh, guys work in the back today and uh, came in, checked on them, went home, had to take my my dogs to the groomer, then came back, and I've been here. Um, I actually got, uh, got my son actually working in the back right now, finishing up. He's the last one here. But, uh, yeah, you know, I like you guys, I mean, you work when you have to, and – yeah you don't have any set hours or anything right so but uh are you guys like backed up right now or busier than normal we're not busier than normal that's for sure uh it's 2020 has been a strange year you know like everyone else uh we're definitely down uh but we are busy so I'm, i'm thankful for that uh you know i was uh was looking at some numbers and stuff and I'm down 30% and you know, it just, uh, we're definitely down, not as busy, but we are busy. And I'm like I said, I'm thankful for that. I, you know, we normally do about 15,000 frames a month. I was looking at my numbers and we're down to like 10, 10, five. So we're not, but I don't have the same workforces, you know, I had last year. So right. it, things are okay though. I am, I'm not complaining. Yeah. So fifteen thousand frames a month. That's that's a huge number. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, us, uh, for some, for like for me to hear, like that's just a crazy number. You know, fifteen thousand frames. Is that yeah. are those brand new or those restretches or uh, a combination of everything? Right, um, between brand new and um, restretches and uh, yeah, it's just a combination. Um, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> so I guess. Let's let's go back a little bit before I get into too much screen talk. So how did how did you get started with the whole thing? Uh, Wait, so hold on. That's that, <laughs> I want to know that too. But let's phrase it like this: How did you become the best screen guy in, <laughs> in the world? All right. Uh, long story or short story? What do you guys want to hear? <laughs> oh, whatever you want, man. I want the nitty gritty. All right. So um, actually, geez, I was in high school. Um, my dad and my uncle, uh, actually it was my uncle. Um, you guys, Andy, you might remember him, but you remember advanced process supply? I don't know. Okay. Well, they were, they were the big guys back in the eighties and, um, in late eighties, they, um, and prior to that, uh, they were the big guys, right? They were, I don't know, um, M and R NASDAQ combined back then. Right. Um, and my uncle worked for them and they got bought out by a financial uh, investing group or whatever. And my uncle saw the writing on the wall basically. And he was the um, branch manager up in Toronto. 
Well, back then in the 80s, most of the frames, the screens were made out of wood, right? I don't know if you remember the stretching, um, the uh, rope and tope, you know, groove screens where you just put ropes, they didn't even glue them down. They just like, wow. I, I, I wish we had them, but I, just to show, but it just, well, my dad was a welder by trade, okay? And um, my uncle opened up a, a supply shop up in Toronto and got my dad into it. And it's like, hey, I want to start welding aluminum frames instead of wood frames. Well, he was a welder by trade, you know, and went up there for a couple years. Um, then 1990 came and uh, he's like, all right, what are we going to do? Uh, we're going to open up shop in Chicago or we're moving up the family. And then, you know, after talking with my mom and everything, I got uh, one brother and two sisters, and I'm the oldest at the time, right? And it's like, they really didn't want to move everyone up to, to Canada, so they opened up a shop down here. Uh, so we started making frames, started stretching screens, and um, long story short, uh, my uncle and my dad split up, and I started working, making screens. I mean, I was, I was 16 years old. You, know? you were and, working uh, at your dad's shop? I was working at my dad's shop okay. and, uh, you know, I, we were, obviously I was in school, but it was, it was tough. I mean, I remember some days and it was just go to school, come to work, do my homework, whatever it was. And then there was some long nights. Um, Weekends was, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, and we grew, we got bigger and started doing more things. Um, you know, we, uh, we catered to the graphic side of the industry, right? Um, large format printing, um, posters, decals. Um, so it just took off, right? And um, took about two years. So it was like 92, graduated high school. And then, um, you know, I went to college. Uh, I was going to college and I was uh, still working part-time for my dad and everything. And then finished did you uh when you went to college did you know you were going to take over or um, did you did you well, just be like i want to go to go uh no i i i want i always loved it because here funny funny story right when i was in high school i took a um a shop class or whatever a screen printing class a graphic arts class whether it was they offered like screen printing and offset printing and all that right and we all had a job that we had to screen print right and Andy, you probably remember the show. I'm not sure about you, Dylan, but uh, remember Beverly Hills 90210? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I just... He definitely liked that more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did is um, for my project of producing shirts, right? I, I had to create the artwork and everything. Well, I did it where it was, uh, you know, Roselle, Illinois, 60172. And I just, you know, just to play around or whatever... Then all of a sudden, everyone saw it, in, you know, in, in the high school, and they all loved it. I must have had it. I I printed and sold like maybe like probably three hundred shirts. I just kept getting repeat repeat orders. It was uh, it was the uh, class, the most successful project for the class. Put it that way, as far as awesome. um, yeah. So um, so when I did that, that's when I really started um, liking s screen printing, right? And um. You know, as far as I never thought of, you know, take over for my dad or whatever, because I had my, my brother was also working. He's only a year younger than me. Um, but then, you know, in the 90s, I, I had so much fun with it. I really did. I enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. I, 
and I still have, I still have fun and I enjoy it now, but it, something really clicked for me and uh, I just rolled with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we got bigger and bigger. Uh, we started just, actually we started just making frames and it was about two years after of making frames, we started stretching screens. Right. And then, you know, I finished up with college. I started learning a little bit more about the industry, start uh, distributing some products and just, you know, we just celebrated 30 years this past, uh, this past June. Happy birthday. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So when you stretch screens, I know we had a conversation, um, um, a while back, I, I think maybe it was this summer. Um, and we've had, a, we, you and I have known each other now for a little over a year, maybe a couple of years. I've been buying, I first started buying, and or I first started restretching screens and I was using, I was restretching them with standard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we were, we started to have a conversation about this thin thread stuff, which we'll get into. But when you stretch a screen, I know, I know you told me this, this summer that it used to be, you would, you would have a table and stretch, you would stretch multiple screens at a time. And now you have a new process where you just do, is it one screen at a time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there's a few jobs where we do multiple, but yeah, there are going back to it. Right. Um, graphic screen fashion, right. GSF. That's what, uh, GSF stands for. We always cater to the graphics side of the industry. But back then, when you're doing a frame that's seven feet by 14 feet long, you can't gang them up. So we learned how to stretch screens properly um, individually, right? And you put your time into it. So um, over the years, we kind of, we've always um, started shifting. There was more textile screens we started doing. So to be competitive with you know all the imports that started coming in and everything we had to do multiple screens at a time where we ended up giving the better stretch screens but um and we still did screens individually but not as many so we kind of just went back to the old roots i guess you can say where we just we figured out a way to keep up our production and producing screens um what's the benefit well, you're pre-stressing the screens. That's that's one of the keys. Um, to hold the tensions, right, you need to make sure you have start with a, a good quality screen, a screen that has, it's not thin and that's going to bow and flex. So now that was one thing that I was told from a lot of these shops that buy screens like on, you know, whatever they get them overseas or they buy them on Amazon or whatever they're doing to buy these screens is the, the aluminum thickness. Yeah. That has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, we carry geez, I think 30 or 40 different profiles, depending, um, we'll recommend a size profile for the, the strength of the size of the screen, right? We want to make sure that the frames and it's key that you have a stronger screen when you're stretching multiple up. Because what will happen is, is you're not, some people what are doing it, especially overseas when they're doing multiple ups and they're using um, a hard locker table or just a, um, a manual crank stretching table. They're just throwing the screens on there, slapping the mesh, gluing it down. They're not pre-stressing the frame itself. So by the system that we have are pneumatic clamps and each clamp only stretches, covers 10 inches of the frame. So for a 23 by 31 size screen, you got eight clamps for that 
to go all the way around. So you're putting stress against the frame. So then when, after you're stretching the screens, you're releasing it, the frame is going to be pre-stressed and then you're pushing in the sides in basically for some people that don't know what that means. Um, and you're making it tighter. So what, if you don't have a strong enough screen, that, that frame will relax back out and now you just lost, you know, I don't know, 10% of your, I had no idea. Dylan, do you have, did you know that? I know that you would pre, you know, you would, you would, um, stretch the the mesh and then let it relax. But I had no idea you would, you would actually do that to the frame too. Like there's some, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's big. I mean, it's, it's, it's key. Now there's, there's a fine line, right? There's, you can get away with it depending on tension levels, but, um, if I gave you a 23 by 31, which our standards is 070 wall, right? Um, but if we beefed up to a different profile, 125 wall, double the thickness, double the frames, double the strength, that'll actually even hold even better tension than the 070 wall. But there's a, like I said, there's a fine line. The 070 wall is more than adequate. Um, and that's, that's the thing here is there's a lot of people out there give even thinner frames and, it's key. I, it, it, well, that's the thing is I've ordered, I've ordered thinner frames before and I didn't really, you, you know, I didn't realize you're getting a cheaper screen and you're like, Oh, I found a place that gives me cheaper screens, but then you end up finding out that the aluminum's thin. And then what happens is the aluminum ends up tweaking and then you can never get your registration right because the frame is twisted. Exactly. That, that happens two, two ways, right? Um, first of all, the frame's not strong enough. That's one way. And then, of course, if the frame gets banged around, it's easier to, to whack it and um, it's not flat anymore, right? Or mm -hmm. it's out of squareness. So the stronger the, the frame and the better the welds that you have, the more secure that frame is. And that won't happen. I now, started. Uh, oh, sorry. Dylan, go ahead. Well, I, I was going on the, the frame thing still, and we've had this before, um, obviously not with, not with Frank, we haven't had this issue. Um, but do you guys do some like testing when it comes to the welds as far as making sure they're like watertight? Because we've got frames before where it's not welded 100% and then the frame fills with water when you put it in the dip tank. Yeah, great, great question there. So um, we don't actually, we don't actually check everything because the only way that you're going to check is by putting it into a dip tank or container and actually doing your test that way. But our welders are pretty, pretty good. I mean, um, well, I mean, if you do it every day, obviously, you're, you know, gonna it, ta it takes, too, it takes too much time. We've, our frames are actually guaranteed that they will not, um, leak or crack at the weld. So if any of my frames ever, you ever have water in them, you just gotta let us know and we'll replace them or repair them depending on what it is. So um, we just kinda, we know our track record, so we, we don't do the testing. But I do have a guarantee on our frames that they won't leak. Um, the trick well, to that's that all is, that really matters. Exactly. The, the reason why they'll leak is because some people aren't putting enough penetration. Um, when we weld our frames, we're TIG welding them, right? And uh, it's not the most fastest way of welding um, material or aluminum or steel, but it's the best way to, to weld aluminum. Um, it's almost like a, um, a craft, an art, uh, like stretching screens. Oh, for uh, sure. You're, you're balancing the heat and um, 
enough welding rod and you don't want to go too fast. Otherwise you're just putting a bead of weld on top of it. And what happens is when you go to grind that weld off, you just took half the strength. So you want to make sure that the, um, the welding is actually basically going through the frame inside there. And that's where the penetration comes in. Now, do you so, have a group of guys that just weld frames all day long? Yeah. I got two guys that weld frames all day long. Um, I don't know how many guys right now, like I said, we're not as big as we were, but I got one, two, three, I got 11 guys back there just producing screens. Um, now two, you know, I, I got two welders. I got two, two guys prepping, um, finishing, then stretching. I got another six or seven. It, it really depends. But yeah, it's, it's a team effort. It's, you know, um, everyone does their job. Um, you know, kind of, I don't want to say we have an assembly line, but we got a pretty good workflow where yeah, everyone does their part, right? Now, does anybody produce wooden frames anymore other than for hobby stuff? Um, there, there are a few other, a few that are still out there. Um, you know, uh, wood frames, I, you know, it's a shop <laughs> philosophy, right? <laughs> um, again, it's what you put into the your product, right? Um there are some pretty cheap wood frames, but I've actually seen some really good wood frames out there where they're using a, a stronger wood. They're polyurethane in them, dipping them, and everything. And, and they're not. But bad. why not? Why not just go to aluminum at that point? Like, why it, bother? Well, I it, it's a dying. It's the wood frames are dying in the yeah. industry. I would say, have you ever heard of Ryan Screen Supply? Or sure. did you ever hear of them? Yeah, they sure were did. out of St. Louis here. They had Mike this, Lynn. I know. Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike Lynn. Yeah. A guy named Ralph that worked there too. Yeah. But uh, that was my first, that's where I first started buying um, screens. And I bought, when I first started, I bought wooden frames. Uh-huh. And they would stretch them there. They had, uh, did you really too? You yeah, well, we, we would get them from Pocono Screen okay. when it, before he sold it. But yeah, we would get wooden frames from them. And it was just funny, like... When we found out about basically when it got to the point where we were like going to go auto or get a bigger manual, we were like, oh, we're going to get because we were getting 20. What was it? 2024s wooden uh-huh. ones. Sure. And then we were like, all right, we got to get auto frames. So we ended up getting 20 through 31s. But then we started getting all aluminum. Yeah, I started with 1820s and then I moved to the 2024s and I thought it was a big shot once I got those bigger ones. But <laughs> the uh, I used to get them from him and he had a, they had a, they converted an old school into their into their manufacturing uh, facility. Yeah. And uh, the reason why I switched was I was they you know wooden frames they would if you get them too wet for too long they warp over time just like you were talking about with those, with those aluminum ones. And so when I used to, um, before we had CTS, we exposed with film, you know, actually vellum. Yeah. And so the vacuum would suck it down and it was, I had this super warped screen one time and the vacuum sucked it down and it broke the glass on me. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so I was like, all right, that's it. Yeah. I mean, even wood, um, wood actually absorbs, um, moisture. Think about it. Right. You're, your emulsion's not drying on some of them, you know, it's just, you see, I've seen a progression of how much better and, and more educated everyone's got, you know, and it, this industry is great. And, but that's one of the problems with the wood. If, um, if they weren't dipped in poly, they would absorb all the moisture and everything. And I mean, I remember walking into a shop one time he was um, exposing the screen and there was actually a little bit of like, chemical and puddle on his vacuum frame because it was just it, it wasn't a dry screen right and it absorbed it was dry before you put it in there it was like but 
it, it just that's one of the bad things with it, right? Yeah. Now, so but so what, it, what, uh, what are, I guess, your range of screen sizes you make? Like, do you make just about anything? Or is yeah. there like a daily, you know, we got to have stock of everything? Oh, um, we, we make every order um, stretched order. I mean, I, I built up an inventory of the standard textile ones, but every order is in, that comes in here is customer we're a job shop basically, right? I don't stock or inventory stretch screens or anything. Um, I make little screens to uh, pin, print pens, right? And then I, I should you not, I um, I got a screen that my biggest size screen is that I've ever made was 27 feet long, right? Um, like how do you fucking coat that thing? Uh, they did it <laughs> manually. It's funny, right? Because these guys were in Chicago and we would have to go up the elevator shaft, get them up there. They would put them on a, a pulley system with chains and you guys were just pulling up the chains and pulling up the elevator shaft to get them up there. It was, it was wild. Um, That's crazy. We, we had to weld um, special uh, eye hooks on them so they could get them up the shaft and everything. Yeah. Uh, but the, I, I guess the most, common large format one nowadays um and it's kind of kind of backing off um slowing down but it would be an 82 by 82 inch by 156 um for the mnr processor i don't know how familiar you are with all mnr's printing presses but they're they're large format graphic um they don't make a lot of them anymore but they're still out there and um i think they're still selling them but that would be i got it so that's what 14 feet um long by seven feet wide so, yeah uh, it's 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 out of my range of what i want to deal with <laughs> so yeah i mean I mean, we're all over to answer your question i mean honestly i i make frames from seven four inches by seven inches to whatever um, yeah it, well we're all over the place um we've gotten to know each other pretty well over the past couple of years and it was mainly uh because um you know i was on this i was trying to learn thin thread and uh, I was on this uh, quest to print the best white and I had, a, had an idea and it was going to be that we were going to use thin thread. And it, mm -hmm. our thin thread that we were going to use was just going to be on our white. Like I wasn't going to convert all, every screen for like top colors and everything else. Okay. I just wanted thin thread for our underbase because I had um, an idea of what, what it would do for us. And so we started with a small batch and you you helped out so much. Like you, you sent me your thickness gauge for art just so we can measure our emulsion. You sent me different mesh counts and could test and we'd go back and forth and until I finally landed and figured out that, Oh my gosh, you know, like this is, this is incredible. And so once we learned that how we could print with our white and what the, what the advantages um, of printing with thin thread and specifically, I guess we order um, the hydro, we order Saudis. I know there's other <clears throat> um, like smart mesh and things like that, but we order the Saudi. But once we figured that out, once we saw it, once we saw the detail, what an impact it made. Um, I understand that it's, it's not as durable. And so once we, we learned how to be more gentle and handle it and didn't pop them all the time, we were like, well, what are we doing with, you know, why, why wouldn't we want to have our top colors, the same, you know, same thing? And so every screen we have in our shop is thin thread. I think maybe we have three screens that, that aren't. Unless you, unless I'm wrong, they're the 60 mesh. <laughs> You're probably uh, right. I think they're standard, but I mean, um, 
every single frame. We, we converted all of them. So we tore out the mesh and sent them up to you like a pallet at a time because we couldn't do without a whole pallet. Um, and you taught me how to fit the most frames on a pallet. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, you covered shipping halfway or one way for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you'll do that for everyone because... Yeah, you need to stop uh, talking about all these things he's helping you out with. Yes, sir. Be fucking buried <laughs> hey, with it. So everybody, you know, you, if you need a thickness gauge, Frank will lend you his, right? <laughs> I, I, I will. And, I, I will. I first got to get back from Andy, though. <laughs> yeah, I still, still have has it. it. <laughs> I still have it because we are we constantly Old doing... sticky fingers of Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so valuable because here's the thing. Like, I know this is off the thin thread part of it, but the thickness gauge... You know, you can only, unless you are measuring how much emulsion you're putting on your, your screens, it's just a guess. You're like, oh, I think it's more or um, it doesn't seem like as much. But we wanted to know precisely exactly how much emulsion we're putting. And the thing is, is we had all those numbers figured out with our standard. And then we brought in thin thread and it's all a whole different. You got to start over. It's it all over. You got to start all over. 158 thin thread is, is holds way more emulsion than, than a 158. Uh, standard thread and so everything you know we had to change what we did and our coding and everything like that and so right what are you what are you what are you doing right now how are we coding them yeah one one it's sharp sharp i mean that's on our unicode and so you have unicode right so yeah the thin thread we coat uh one one sharp sharp but we didn't used to that with standard and it's also pretty complicated too for those with auto coders um if you ever what i didn't know and i learned about this is that and it's probably i guess this holds true for manual coding too but the 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 more full your trough is uh, the more emulsion you put down and so we you know we would load up the unicode and unicode uses two troughs you code at the front and back at the same time well it's and got so that it's, weight behind it like the emulsion in the scoop has like more weight behind it to like force oh, right. it together if you have more in yeah it. so like you're coding at the same time on unicode and so they go together and then they go up the back you know front and back at the same time and if you're and when you start off, when you fill your troughs, when you start off is different than when you're halfway empty. And so we, cause we couldn't, the reason why we figured that out is because we coded a bunch of screens and then we measured them with the, with your gauge and we're like, what the fuck? Like these are, how are they not the same? You know, we just used an auto coder, same mesh, but yet it, there was a variance. And then we were like, oh, is it, is it because the, we let it run down to almost the bottom and then fill it back up with emulsion and then coat some more. And that's exactly it. And so now whenever I coat screens, I only let it go down. Yeah, we top like it I, off. Kind of like my, my, my car, my Jeep. I, I don't ever let it get empty. And, you know, I keep, keep some gas in it. And so same thing goes. You top yours. So how do you, you're saying that you don't let it get too low before you, before you mm-hmm. put, fill it back up? Yeah. No, we fill it up. And even M&R said that when it was here to like try to keep it as full as possible all the time. So sure. we pretty much, you know, fill it when you use it. And then when you start to see it get like, you know, halfway, fill it back up to the top. Well, yeah. if you did, if you didn't do that, then you would have to slow it down. Right. The, um, right. How fast it's going to go. Put a different recipe in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that changed my mind when it came to like the EOM stuff was just seeing like microscope pictures of, you know, like a thin coated screen and how there's no actual wall for like the ink to fall into and like get no like gasket. a nice stencil. There's no your gasket. Print shul- your print shoulder, right. sure. It's just so like jagged and not there. And then you're like, oh, that makes total sense why I'm getting sawtoothing and, you know, not laying down a good print and it's too heathery or whatever. It's, you need that wall, you need that stencil. So yeah, that stuff's super important. 
yeah. when we were using standard thread before we converted, we were like, okay, we're going to get the craziest EOM, like unheard of, you know, I know it's recommended to have 15% or between 10 and 15%. We were like, we're going to double it, you know, cause we want our white, we want to put down just a crazy amount of white. And so we were going into the twenties. We wanted to be above 20 in our EOM. And unless you have a gauge, unless you have something to measure that you're only guessing. And so it was, it was awesome. So I appreciate you lending us. And that's why I haven't given it back. <laughs> um, no but when we went to thin thread, everything was different. And, um, I don't know, um, a couple of things, this chart that I made and I can make it available, um, somehow, if anybody wants it, I'll email it to you. But what thin thread does for us. And, and then the demonstration we did is, um, and Dylan is probably gonna find, or he has found out the same thing. That's why he's gone to the thread too. And that is, is we can print faster with a single stroke. So we're not double stroking like we used to on, a, on with our standard mesh. So it just takes one stroke. In fact, if we double stroked, it would be an, an insane amount of ink we're putting down. Uh, we print with less pressure because you don't have to jam it through. Um, it's just, it's much easier. The opening is, is the percentage is, is greater. And so the ink just, just goes right through. We use less ink because even though the, the, the opening, the percentage is bigger, we're not um, pushing harder. And so we're not pushing into the shirt. We're just laying it on top. Um, and so you end up using less ink. And we were going to actually weigh those out for you. We haven't got around to because we've been too busy and then also Corona. But that's the plan this January is that we're going to demo that by printing a shirt, same mesh count standard, printing a shirt, same mesh count thin, uh, and then weighing both shirts, you know, same image and weighing both shirts to see how much ink is down. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're right on there. And, and here's another thing too, is if you're, when you're switching from standard to thin thread, you can actually move up in mesh count and thin thread and still get better coverage. And you're going to use even less ink. Um, the mesh manufacturers say on average, you'll save 30% in ink um, because of, of moving up to a finer mesh count. You'll even get better, better detail in your print. So I, yeah, that was the next thing is this a detail. It's, it's, it's night and day. Like we do a lot of, uh, of races that we used to, and the back of the shirt is always these sponsors. And everybody knows that you have, once you go over 10 sponsors and you have 20 or 30 sponsors, they just get so small and you can hardly see anything. Well, we used to put them in 230 mesh and then that's a problem because you're trying to print on the back of a shirt with 230 mesh and clear the ink through that. That was a problem. And so uh, now we can put it using thin thread. We just use a 180 and then the detail is incredible. It's just, it's awesome. And so um, the other thing we print with less fibrillation because we've reduced down our pressure. And so we're, we're not, we're not like disturbing that shirt as much and, you know, making a fiber stand up. And then also because of that, less dye migration. And so instead of like jamming the ink into the shirt and having the ink all the way down there, we're laying it on top. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Uh, you really did. Those are definitely all the advantages with the thin thread. Um, I, I will say the only disadvantage of thin thread, if you don't take care of it, you're going to spend more money in mesh. Okay. Uh, it, it, regardless, you're going to spend more money in, in, in mesh because um, it doesn't last as long. But all those benefits, it creates all those savings and you're going to be better off in the end. You'll end up saving more right. money. Right. So, so you spend more money in mesh, right? But you're making more money because you, while you're single stroking for one, you're not waiting on a, on a double stroke. Right there, I don't even have to say anything else. You know, it, right there, you just exactly. made up for it. Exactly, and and then just think of the the uh, softer hand feel that you get on the shirt. 
I mean, you guys, I don't sell shirts to the customers or anything like that, but you're, I'm sure your customer base, they all, they all want that softer hand feel nowadays, right? They don't yeah, want that. Sure. They don't want that bulletproof, you know, athletic print or anything like that. So, you know, um, I can't, for those of the, who are listening and not watching on YouTube, every time I look over at Dylan, he has this <laughs> giant beard on. Well, first of all, he's in a Santa out, uh, outfit. And then he has this giant beard on, so I can't see his mouth. And I don't know if he's getting ready to talk. That's why I interrupted him earlier. Or if he's smiling or if he's like frowning or, or what's going on. You know, but Dylan, are you, quite, are you okay over there? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. You know, full of eggnog, cookies, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I love the glasses too. <laughs> they were extra. Yeah, you went all out. That's very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so back to screen printing. Uh, do you have any, do you guys have any tips for, I guess you you said screen care, but like realistically, what what should you do and what should you not do when it comes to like scrubbing your screens or just taking care of general Anyway, like how you stack them or how you should dry them or whatever. Yeah, the, the handling them is the biggest thing, right? That's the when the screen typically pops, it's because of handling human air, right? Um, the thin thread screen's more susceptible to that. So just gotta like just just educate your your employees and say, hey, listen, let's not throw the screens around for the most part. Um, another tip is is let your chemical your reclaim chemical do the work you might want to let it you know dwell a little bit longer on the screens versus not scrubbing harder scrubbing harder or hitting it with the pressure washer don't don't hit it with the pressure washer um as long you know like like i said let let the chemical the chemistry do its work uh Mm -hmm. but the screen will last longer it will help actually save the tension levels on the screens and that's my tip for that as far as prolonging the life of the thin thread. Yeah. And that's one thing not to, you know, push them an R or anything, but I mean, you, I don't, I'm sure there's other, uh, like an eco rinse. And when I was talking to Rich Hoffman about that before, the thing that kind of clicked in my mind was he was talking about how with a standard shop, if you're just, you know, taking your screen, you're pressure washing it, you have all that pressure washer force on one side of the mesh and you're kind of beating the piss out of the mesh. But with an eco rinse, it's, pressure on both sides and when they touch in the middle it equals each other out so you're not pushing on this on the mesh one way or the other they're you know they're perfectly together washing out the emulsion rather than pushing on the mesh and you know we um we got the we converted to thin thread before we got before we had the eco text and so we learned you know how to handle it in reclaim and one of the best i think things to do is to use that um the white that seal it's like a white caulk. And so it's like an extra, I know, I can't remember how much it is, but you just add the white seal around the inside of the frame around the edges. And it does a lot for you. One, the chemical doesn't get in there. Um, so if you are letting the chemical do the work, it doesn't get in there as much, right? And right. then two, it protects that 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 really vulnerable, vulnerable part of the screen is that all those edges where, you know, you get something in there and that's where I, we have torn screens in the past anyway, especially in Reclaim. Sure, sure. Uh, pin, that's where a lot of pinholes start developing is on that inside edge of the screen, just because there's more. Um, it's not your sweet spot. It's a, it's a little tighter tension towards the edge inside edge of that frame. So you do create a lot of little pinholes. Um, what Andy was referring to is our GSF screen sealing system. Um, 
it's a two-part system, and he's referring to the the white seal that I use on the inside edge um, that helps prevent uh, prolong the life of the screen. Um, customers that went to my sealant system um, that were using our standard screens saw a twenty percent drop in restretches going to the sealant system. So. Um, Annual uses one part of it, but we have that permanent, um, with an asterisk, that permanent block out also. So now you don't have to use tape, less handling. You don't have to worry about this, the screens. Um, the, and that's how the screens last longer because you're not worried about someone ripping the tape off and then maybe accidentally ripping the screen, um, less touching of the of the screen. So that, that all helps. Um, it just, I, I'm actually the one that came up. I didn't come up with the actual seal inside or the actual um, permanent blockout on there. I came up with the process, right? Um, geez, it was probably, I think I'm going on eight years now that I, I actually came up with the process. Someone approached me with the, the white seal and uh, I was like, you know, I'm already doing that with, with a glue that we're using already and i'm like you know it's good i like it and stuff but i just I, I don't see how i can sell it so then i but i did like it and i um i remember going to a shop one of my customers they have 20 automatics i see two people sitting at a folding table and a six foot um wide folding table and all they're doing is just peeling mesh off uh, i've seen like the utility knives they're trying to get it. i'm just i'm just thinking to myself you know i don't care if that you're paying that person a minimum wage that person is costing you 25 grand a year just sitting and peeling tape off of screens and i i just it, that's when it just clicked to me and i just like you know what we're gonna eliminate that and and sure enough um like i said i my numbers that I looked at with some customers, I, I was like, why are sales down with them? These guys are busy. Um, why are sales down? And then I look at it and it's like, well, yeah, they converted everything to uh, my GSF Elite screens. And that's where I got the number, you know, 20% down. So, um, but how many, uh, what's your percentage? How many people order their screens with that package? Uh, you know what? It's, it's grown over the years, right? Um, it's, I actually have to look at the percentage, but I remember at one point we were averaging about 3,000 frames a month after after about four years. And now I think we're up to about six 6,000 frames a month that we're adding in. Um, I, I, I can't, don't hold me to these numbers. I, I'd have to look yeah. at it, but, but the percentage has definitely grown over the years. Yeah, we um, definitely like the white seal. Um, yeah my screen guy i didn't even tell him about it and then we got the screens and he, he was telling me he was like oh this is so much better because like no ink can get in there and again no chemical can get in there it just sure. seems better all the, around to kind of keep the, that stuff out the only drawback I, I there's two drawbacks with the sealing system um or complaints that i've had it is if you're manually reclaiming you get more of a spray backed okay um I always recommend just angle your frame a little bit and just change the angle. And then the other one is in the white seal, um, it takes a little bit longer to clean. You wanna make sure you get it out there. Um, it will die, but you know your ink will eventually dry onto there. Um, but that's the only thing, you need a little bit more elbow grease to make sure you get into the corner. You wanna get like a scrub brush with a handle and, 
on the side where you can hit it with both sides, you know, you're doing. Well, we tape the inside of our screens, not, not the outside, but we tape the inside and mm-hmm. it really doesn't get on that, that seal. Yeah. Us too. Much. I'm just saying so, like a little bit, if, if it mm-hmm. was to happen, it's not yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. You, you're I love see, it though. Yeah. The white seal definitely um, adds life to your screens. It, it really does. Now I've seen, I've seen shops using two different uh, types of scrubbers when it comes to cleaning screens. I've seen like the, which is what we use is the, you know, it's like a blue pad with a white handle sure. scrubbing. And then I've seen people with more of like a wooden handle brush that see, I don't know what the difference would be with the brush. I've never used the brush, but is there a reason for a brush over? I, can't, I can't honestly answer that. Um, I'd like to scrub, uh, um, with the white handles uh they eventually they're not too aggressive they the only problem is they start to deteriorate and i think that's one of the reasons why they're not aggressive they won't damage mm-hmm. your screens because um, you definitely don't want something too aggressive otherwise um what do you start doing is start cutting those fibers i mean obviously you're not going to see it to the to the human eye but you'll start scratching them more and more and some scratching is good, don't get me wrong, for emulsion adhesion. But if you get too much, then now you're just damaging your mesh and your screens aren't going to last. Right. And that was one of the questions I had too about uh, damaging the mesh is, is there a particular like dehazer? Because I know if you use a harsher dehazer, it eats away at that those yeah. mesh fibers. Is there yeah, something the, that you would say? Just, I think... Uh, the, all the hazers are corrosive and that's what eats it right i mean that's the only way that you're going to get the ghosts out of your your screen is i mean it eats away at it right and it does eat away at the mesh um pace are a little bit more corrosive so there might be a little bit more aggressive especially you can't leave it on very long right i mean some paces you only want on there for a couple minutes and that's it um i would recommend it maybe a liquid dehazer or one of the things is careful on um, when you're washing your screens on press even. Don't use too hot of a chemical where you're creating that that ghost image. Uh, you're locking when you're locking in the, the ink underneath the knuckles. Um, and then use a good integrate. So help that all helps out so you don't have to use a haze. But to answer your question, maybe a liquid haze is probably a little bit safer for the screens may not work as well right but I, Dylan, are you using a lot of haze remover anyway not really um there was a stuff realistically the only the only hazing we're ever getting is from using water base uh especially like a water base black um and we have found some good more eco-friendly chemical to that takes that off um but for the most part i mean we're not having to dehaze a ton it's that's just good yeah so yeah i just i just didn't know if there was one that's more you know it might be widely used by people and you're like eh. like you as a manufacturer look at it and you're like why the fuck are they using that like stop i it, um, yeah i i wouldn't i i wouldn't i would not try to use any kind of aggressive um haze remover uh i just I wouldn't want it, but again, I, you know, I'm not a printer. I'm not in there, and I just feel I, like at some, at some point there's got to be a difference between do you leave the haze on or do you use the dehazer that's actually killing your screen? 
You know what I mean? Like, is there a balance in between? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to find a fine balance for that, right? I mean, yeah. if you really think about it, your screens are one of the least expenses that you have as far as producing your your prints. If you think about it, um, how many prints that you're actually getting on each screen? Um, you know, restretching a screen, whether you do it yourself or send it out. Uh, if you really think about it and figure out how much you actually per print what it costs you, I mean, hundred thousandths of a penny, maybe if you really think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so for sure. if a screen gets, you know, too hazy or you got too much uh, ghost on there, excuse me, rip it out if you can't use it or use it on it, you know, make sure you're only using it for a particular job or something. Right. Right. Uh, so, but again, it's that fine balance, everything. Uh, one thing I learned years ago is, as much as some people try to make screen printing an, an exact science, it's not an exact science. There's so I'm 100% many, behind you on that one. Yeah, there's so many variables. And what, what might work for your shop isn't going to work for the guy's shop down the road. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just, that's one thing I've learned a long time ago. Yeah. Now I know this is kind of like a great debate between all printers and we've had this conversation, but give me your take on the difference between statics rollers or like the new click stretch ones. Um, I know you're biased obviously because I, you're on I, one I, side of it. I, I am a little biased. I'm going to be honest, but it's, it's more about a shop philosophy. Uh, roller frames are great. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's, it's always finding that balance as far as dollars and cents and what it's worth to you. Um, roller frames from the beginning were, were great. They're, they open up probably the same time we started manufacturing screens. Mesh back then wasn't low elongation mesh. So there was a really big need for roller frames to retweak, right? Uh, to keep that tension up there. Um, not every, And then not everyone stretches like we do. Um, you can get more tension on the roller frames, but it's a shop philosophy. And are you really going to spend time? Are you going to have someone back there checking every screen and retweaking it? You know, um, if you're doing that, great, no problem. Uh, just what works best for you? Um, I'm not sold on those click frames. Uh, I, I don't think they, they're great when you first put the mesh on there, but I don't think they hold tension. Okay. Uh, it, it there's advantages and disadvantages to everything. Um, it just, my recommendations to anyone that's in the shop, find where it works best for you. Not only um, your workflow, but dollars and cents is the most important thing. Um, if you send screens out to be restretched, just make sure whoever's stretching your screens is stretching it properly. Make sure the mm-hmm. tension levels are correct. I mean, you know, there's always that debate. Um, I need 30 Newtons on a screen. Well, okay, you do and you don't, all right? Because I can, you can probably print the same job with one of my screens that has 25 Newtons, and you probably are not going to tell the difference in the print unless you put it underneath a microscope. For the human eye, there's not really that much of a difference between a 25 Newton screen or a 30, 30, 35 Newton screens. People will debate me on that, <laughs> but it's probably because someone is partial to rollers and then someone's partial to stretch stretching glue screens right um and that's what's funny about this industry is like we we're talking about like newtons on a screen and like all this like thin thread versus hydro and all this other stuff and it's like realistically 
the end customer who gets the shirt doesn't give a shit at all. Like they're just like, Oh yeah, that shirt looks awesome. I'm going to wear that to a party. And it's like, we're like, yeah, we know we need that specific Newton's. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I get that like we're the manufacturers and we're trying to make the best product possible. And I feel like we do, but I feel like there's so much like debate and argue over like certain things. Like you're saying, like if I have, you know, 30 Newton's versus 25, it's like, I always think of that. Is your uh, shop producing? And if, if, do your prints look awesome or or not? Like that's like the question, I guess. So attention, um, your attention is important, right? Because that's going to give you your print quality, right? But as far as registra- registration on the job, what's most important is consistent attention between each screens that you're using for that job whether it's 25 newtons or 20 newtons, right? If you're using a screen that's 25 newtons or 30 newtons and using a screen that's at 20 newtons, it's gonna take a little hard, it's gonna be a little harder to register that job. But if they're all at 20, the registration is gonna be there. Your print quality is gonna be more than acceptable, right? But you can, um, 25 newton screen, your print quality might be a little bit better, right? All right. Um, less off contact, so again, what bottom line is what makes money in, in your shop, right? I had a guy come up to me at a trade show. This was years ago. He's like, oh, your screens suck. I was like, who are you, right? You, you don't even know who I am. Yeah, just stretching glue screens suck. Well, you don't know me, all right? He's like, I can take, I took a roller frame and I printed on, uh, on water. I'm like, you what? I actually achieved a print on water with a roller frame. I was like, oh, wow, good for you. Um, what did you do it for? Did you make any money at it? He's like, no, I just wanted to prove that I can do it. Good for <laughs> you, right? I mean, I, and I don't you, need- And then you fucking uppercutted him across the room. <laughs> I, I, I would like to, but I, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, I was like, well, how did that make you money, right? So again, Going back, I'm not going to recommend one screen over another. It's a ju- it's a shop's right. philosophy. It's what works is what works for you. Is, exactly. is the biggest question. Well, both yeah. uh, my, our shop here and Dylan, we can we could buy roller frames. We could afford to do it. You know, it's we have nice equipment and we want to invest in the best equipment and the best, you know, the best supplies, whether it's ink or emulsion or or roller frames or statics or whatever press it is. I mean, we can we can do that here, but we chose not to, you know, we, we looked at our situation and we look, I, I brought frames in here. You know, I, I tried out the, you know, all kinds of different frames mm-hmm. and I wanted to decide like, which is the best move? Like what's the best move for, for us right now? Should we go to all rollers or not? And uh, we decided not to. And the reason why we decided not to is because we could achieve the results we wanted for this shop here and for the work that we were doing with thin thread statics. And uh, I mean, fuck, you can't even, uh, you can't even, uh, you know, with thin thread, you don't want to tension it um, that high in the you first don't. place. So not, one, one good thing about uh, having rollers is we could retension it, but by the time we use thin thread, by the time we're done, by the time it loses its, gonna, its tension, I mean, it's probably going to pop pretty soon anyway. And so what are we going to retension it and then pop them? You know, and so it's like uh, w- the work we were doing, um, it looks fantastic. And, um, if it didn't, then I'd go get some roller frames. You know, if, if we were putting out crummy, you know, shitty work, we would, I wouldn't use, I wouldn't use statics. I wouldn't use your frames. And so I, 
I'm not saying like you just, like you said, I'm not saying that rollers aren't good and they don't have their, their place in a shop, you know, depending on what work they're doing. But like back to what you were saying a minute ago, Dylan, you know, it's funny, like sometimes I, I set up a job and I set it up on a brand new, awesome, fast ass press. And I've used like really nice emulsion to coat the screen and I have thin thread mesh and, you know, everything's right. You know, I used a CTS to, to make it and all these great things. Right. And it's just like this one color scribble of nothing that I'm putting on a shirt. And I'm like, wow, you know, I could have done this in my garage. Like basically the first week I learned how to screen print, I could have done this on my wooden frames, but yet I have all this, you know? And so sometimes it's sort of like delivering, it'd be sort of like having a, doing DoorDash in like a Lamborghini or something, you know, it's just like overkill. But um, there are a lot of jobs. There are those everyday jobs that come through here that are six color and seven color and that are, that have detail to them and that we, and we, and we use a tricing system. And so, like you just said, extremely important thing, have consistent tension. And so it sets up and it tricings, uh, you know, without, without having to move them. Exactly. Um, Don't get me wrong. Um, Stretching glue screens, ridge, ridge screens, you want to make sure whoever you're buying them from, they're doing a good job because the one thing that you don't and want. And if you're not, if you're not buying them from Frank, you're fucking up. <laughs> you're doing, <laughs> say that, we're going to say that right now. I appreciate you're doing, it. You're doing it wrong. You're doing <laughs> it wrong. <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, you, you want to stabilize the tension and everything. So I just make sure whoever's doing your screens is doing it properly. Um, you know, some people that tout roller frames, they're touted because they probably didn't get a good ridged aluminum screen. Um, so that, that, that's just my thing. It, it's just the philosophy to answer your question, Dylan. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't. I mean, get I guy, get it. I get it. They didn't get a guy who pre-tensioned the actual aluminum, who pre-tensioned the you know the screens, who yeah, you know, gave it a lot of love as they were making them. Yeah, the thing is too is there's a lot of there's a lot of sh- uh, places like distros that you get your ink from and all this other place and they're like yeah we stretch frames too yeah, like do you want sure. us to do it too and then you end up getting those and you're like you know and, they might be okay and you print but then you try the real good stuff like when I got Frank screens like I could tell the difference like I know he puts GSF stickers on everything. But like, if I didn't have the sticker, I bet I could point his screens out in my screen from across the room from versus (laughs) the other. I'm just saying like on the racks, I notice now, like just the, the, you know, the thickness of the aluminum and whatever else I can tell the difference between his screens and one of the other one. Yeah. So it's, well, I don't, yeah, I I don't know what else to really say about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can too. I mean, I know, I know your screen. I, I absolutely do. There's a giant difference between how it feels you know, the weight of it, the, the color of the glue, the everything about it, man. Sure. That's it. That's very important also is um, when you're stretching this, um, a stretching glue screen, making sure you're using the right adhesive, right? Uh, you want something that um, is chemical um, solvent resistant. Uh, you, you don't like the, the instant glues. Um, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, they're very brittle. And if you don't trim them right, you can cut your hands on there. I have about 8,000 square feet of stretching tables and I only have six guys stretching, right? There's a rotation and it takes about 45 minutes for a screen to be completed and they rotate. I can use this instant glue that I could cut down my production space to a quarter of it and have half the guys and probably produce the same thing. But 
the adhesive is a, a very important when you're talking about a stretch and glue screen. So, I've gotten screens before from, you know, cheaper companies and literally like two days in the corners have already like the glue came undone. Sure. Or, you know, two washes in the glue came undone. And it's like, then you yeah. gotta call them and be like, Hey, three of the screens out of that new batch just and, fell apart. And, and hopefully they took care of you. Right. I, you know, we always stand behind our screens. Um, I couldn't afford to replace everything. So I used the best equipment. I used the best product out there that I know of. Right. So, but I stand behind my screens. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I had, um, one of the questions I had too, and I, I've seen this around is, do you have a way where if you get a screen that gets a little hole in it or a tear, like a, like a method to, fix that hole so it'll hold for a while where you can still use that screen i've seen people put emulsion on it and then dip it and then not blow it out so it fully hardens around that hole awesome That's question you can do like, that kind of like a patch like if you have yeah tire we've that, done it before where we put a little bit of emulsion on and then just like you can the, you know like you can lock it up if you dip it and then don't wash sure. it out there, there's a couple of different ways that what you can do right um the easiest way is getting maybe a, a mylar tape um a silver tape so that it stands out that you know there's a hole there so you're always looking for it or a different color tape problem with that is sometimes it washes out in your reclaim uh, another thing is the patch you can take an um, a scrap piece of mesh and glue it down to that spot right huh. and you're patching it up because no we way. have screens we have screens that are like you know, you just bought them and then you do a job that it, you got a little hole in it. You accidentally dropped something on it and it put a little hole in it or the guy reclaiming accidentally like stabbed it somehow. Or sure. I mean, there's a million ways you can put a hole in the screen. Do you sell yeah. a patch kit? I don't. I don't. Um, but he doesn't take an, yet. <laughs> <laughs> take an old screen that is ripped. Take that piece of mesh and glue it onto there. Make a patch. With I just that. have to buy some glue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I can sell right. you glue. That's not a problem. Can you just use like super glue just for that one spot? Because you're you not going to, you're obviously not going to print over that hole. You're just you more could, saving that hole. You could just make sure that you make it smooth because super glue is like that. Um, mm. this CA glue, I, I call it. I, I always have trouble pronouncing it, but it, that's all that CA glue, that clear hard glue is. So you just want to make sure that it's smooth and it's not because then you're going to have problems coating your screens. Um, as your edge your scoop coater, it's going to chatter up there and then it's going to just create a mess for you. Frank doesn't want us patching our screens. He wants them to tear. No, I, I'm the opposite. I, you know, what I, if you, what if you just got that permanent block out stuff? Like you got you, a little jug of it. You could put that on there. Probably. You sure can. You sure can. Uh, it's all up to you how how you want to handle your screens. I don't know if One the blockout will do it though. It seems like the patch would because there's like there's you know it's reinforcing that area around it. Why would a, just a little? Well, I'm just saying like like sewing wise, if you were to make like on a button up shirt, you make like the slit where you put the button in. They just like it's a cut with a sew on top and a sew on bottom. You're just stopping it from wanting to pop and rip the rest of the mesh. It, it would it would harden around there um the emulsion you can harden the emulsion um there's a, a hardener you can actually put it on there and just expose it and make it harder you can do it that way um the patch is probably the best way of doing it only because what happens if that hole pops on press so is a 14 dollars screen really worth 
the thirty dollars you're going to waste cleaning up your press. Good point. Yeah. Well, not just cleaning up your press, the downtime. So like, let's yeah. say that these days, if I see a hole, it's out. Like we don't even, there's no patching. There's no nothing. Cause I, cause within thread, if I see a hole, I know it's just a matter of time. And the last thing I want is for us to expose that screen, tape it up, put it on press and we're printing and then for it to fail. And then we're down until we get a new screen or yeah. we have to print under a job. I mean, that's a lot, that'll cost you way more than just restretching it. So if, if the only, the only way I'm going to put a patch on it or try to make, extend the life out of it, if it really does work. Yeah. And, and you know. even, even if the, you put the patch on the patch will work, um, make sure you circle it with a, a Sharpie or something because you would hate for that to be in anywhere in your prints. Right. So right. make it so that your, your employees notice it right away. Because that's right. another thing. Then, then you go back, you're going to have to go burn another screen, right? And then there, there's more downtime. There's one, there's one other thing that I saw that I wanted to question you about was uh, people, when you stretch your, your mesh onto the screen, are you tilting the mesh a certain way so that you can have less moray patterns in prints? I'm putting a mesh on a degree. No, we're actually stretching it 90 90 degrees straight, okay? I do do jobs where customers request on a 22 and a half degree, okay? Um, what that helps with putting the mesh on a degree, what it helps is your sawtoothing, your edges, right? It just mesh interference. That, that's all that is, is making sure um, there's no mesh interference. And that's what causes a moray pattern. Um, and here, before I forget, I'm going to give you a little tip right now. If you ever have a screen that you don't know what mesh count it is, as long as you have a reference point of a screen that you know is a 110, if you put a screen mesh to mesh and tilt it a little bit, you see a moray pattern, that's the same mesh, just to let you know. And that's all that's happening is the, um, the threads are getting in the way and causing that moray pattern. Now, a lot of the moray patterns can be eliminated in your your pre-press in your artwork just changing um the degree of your your dots right um th there's that has a in unless you're printing a lot of half tones you're really not gonna get any really moray problems right unless you're printing a lot of half tones and and fine you choose the right mesh count correct yeah yeah i've had it exactly. before i've had it before where i'm doing like a you know like a big circle of ink or whatever and then i go to print you know, you do your white underbase and then you do your color on top and you see a moray like through the top color completely. Do you have any tips for anything like on press if you see it? Or do you just reburn one of the screens or? Yeah, you have to rechange the screen, uh, either bump up or um, bump down a mesh count and then it'll eliminate it uh, if you get that moray pattern. I think that we had that too. Um, we haven't had it on thin thread and we had that too on standard because what I, I don't know if this is right, but my theory of what caused that is that you're putting when you print and you're and you're laying down that layer of ink that your um, those threads are thicker than the layer of ink than you, that you're putting down and so it's 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 like making an impression on there. Yeah, it's and making so, you can look at the ink and actually see like the mesh lines in it. Yeah, um, you, one thing to eliminate that is make sure you have a um, a thicker stencil that'll help it. Make sure your stencil wasn't too thin. Right, right. Um, making sure you get enough ink that you don't have mesh interference. That, that's all it is. Is me it comes down to mesh interference. Was that on a PFP uh, white or just a one, just an underbase white? 
I don't know. I mean, it happens once in a great while. We haven't had it in a long time, but I just remember before we definitely had that where we did like, you know, I think it was probably like a PFP white and then like a red on top. And it was just like, whoa, that's exactly super pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can change your, your angles um, in your artwork. Um, that'll help eliminate it. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of customers, really textile customers complaining to me about more Ray patterns. If there's anything, I would have got it from my graphic customers because they're, you know, they're printing a, a 380 mesh or a 420 mesh, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're probably printing like an 85 line. You know, I think I'm thinking you guys are probably set around 45, 55 line for yeah. the most part. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. So that's, it's part of, it's part of the the business. And like I said, the quickest fix is just change your mesh count. Right. No, that makes total sense. Um, Now I've seen other shops too. Do you guys make anything else other than screens? Like if somebody needs a custom something, can they come to you to weld it or make it? Yeah. I I make a lot of custom racks, Uh, my job carts, um, I actually, that's what i saw was your job card i think was it brett on the slack group posted that frank made him some carts yeah yeah um was it brett, the, brett. For, yeah, for Pretty brett. Threads, yeah yeah we just sent him some um we we do a lot of different we, we make custom racks right uh drying racks or just rolling racks um job carts uh we actually that's why i had guys working today too so i deliver uh, a few of them to a customer Monday, um, the job carts where we just basically have an ink shelf and then we have slots uh, for 12 screens. Um, roll it out to the roll it out to the press with uh, the next three jobs, right? Or two jobs or whatever. Uh, now, is that a custom thing or do you just have that where somebody's like, hey, I want a job cart. You're like, all right. Yeah, they're custom. Um, we have standards, but I don't, again, I don't stock anything. They're custom made to order. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, what I gave Brett, was actually just, um, a rolling rack basically. Right. It just like a, kind of like a dolly rack. It was, he just stacks screens on two stacks and rolls them around. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he's got a bunch of my job carts. He's got a bunch of my racks. I just made him a rack for his rapid tag screens. It was, it was kind of cool. It was uh, dude, I need one of those. It, it was a smaller rack. I'll, I'll send you some pictures of it. It was a smaller rack and then it held each side held like 36 rapid tag screens. And it was just two, two slots. I need two rows of each on each side. And it was, we do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I've made some, made some interesting things, right? That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have the aluminum, I have the welding capability. Why not? Right. I, yeah. That was always my philosophy. So, so I know we've touched on a ton of stuff, but is there anything we haven't touched on that you guys offer at your company? Uh, no, I think we pretty much, I, I'm all pretty much pre-press and you know, we're known for screens and that, that's what we do. Um, I do sell, um, other supplies, uh, but all pre-pressed. No, no inks or printing presses, right? Um, we help each other. We, I help my customers out. Um, it was just, you know, evolution of GSF has been really weird or crazy because like I said, we started just making frames Then customers say, Hey, I need you to stretch my screens. Okay. We'll stretch them for you. Hey, I need some supplies. Okay. We'll get you. We'll be your one-stop shop. Right. But we always came back and our bread and butter is just, aluminum screens that's 
That's what we're known for. That's what we're always going to be known for, right? It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you, uh, what's next for you guys? Do you have any like evolution in screens? I don't know. Or? I, I don't know. Uh, like, <laughs> it's the last one was our sealant system, our GSF Elite screens. Um, I'm thinking about some other things. I just don't know if there's a market for it. I know, you know, screen printing is definitely changing. I've seen it in the graphic sides. I'm starting to see it on the, the textile side. The digital age is coming. It's here. You guys, uh, I, I watched your podcast with uh, um, Kenneth, right? That, I yeah. Mean, he, mm. That thing's awesome. It, it really is. I think screen will always be around, um, but it is. You guys are going to start to adapt. I need to adapt, right? So I, well, I'm not uh, even sure. with um, even with digital squeegee, you still need four screens. Sure, you know. Sure. So, but not but not eight or ten anymore, right? <laughs> but not. Right. <laughs> You've got to find a way to to get by still. Exactly. Customers buying ten screens instead of a hundred exactly so but no i i really think screen screen printing will be around for quite a long time and it'll be a lot i'll be dead that's for sure uh before <laughs> it ever goes away um yeah. you need it there's a lot of interesting things that are screen printed you know some people think of screen printing just textile right i mean uh there's there's so much more to it there really is so andy do you want to start hitting them with the uh Inksoft question? Yeah, let's hear it. Go ahead. Well, we are sponsored by Inksoft, as you know, and um, they have a question every episode. And this one is, do you have any New Year's resolutions or a New Year's resolution? You know what? Like everyone else, to lose weight. This whole COVID thing, I, I gained weight and that's my New Year's resolution. I um, Who knows how many... If I, <laughs> I'm not really good on keeping new new year's resolutions so but that 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 definitely is my my goal this year. Well in the so, pre-covid I'm days that. I'm with you on that one. I <laughs> my I I need to like I've I babied and took care of my business and everything around me for like so many years now and I think I'm finally getting to the age where I'm just like I have to actually stop being an asshole and like take care of myself or work out yeah. or do something. I, I, exactly. just, I see the decline and I see like my sleep and like all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I gotta, it doesn't get any better out. if you don't do something yeah. about it. And so, yeah, that's that, that would I'm be mine too. Yeah. Mm. Andy, what's yours? Um, well, I was going to say the, the pre COVID, um, resolution used to be that, like you said, and then you'd go the gym, the gym membership, like, would go would go crazy in January and then by January what like twentieth nobody's going anymore. But right. But now I mean one of the hardest things for gyms anyway is just getting to the gym, you know. And so maybe if you have some sort of home gym or just anything, you know, whether it's just going for a walk or whatever, um, then then that's a start. You know, maybe it's easier now. I see all these people posting about their home gyms and just like ah oh, so jealous. Like Joe Rogan even. It's incredible, you know, like what Joe, Joe Rogan's got the money to blow on a home gym. <laughs> true, true. But, but you don't need a whole. So when we go to, uh, like we went yesterday, I go three times a week and, uh, I have a personal trainer and uh, you know what? We really don't use anything. Like yeah. he, it's real, it's literally just like these rubber bands. There's um, people like my wife's brother who literally lifts like two like milk jugs filled with water. 
It's like you can't get any cheaper than that. We, I, I don't even, I'm trying to think what we used, equipment we use. We do pull-ups. We do, I mean, we don't use, we use our own body weight. Like we really don't need, I think the investment would be about a hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, I'd like to get one of those ellipticals. I, I, that was one of the things when I used to work out and go to the gym was, would be cardio. That's the most important thing. I think I'm just going to get those things where I lay on the couch and eat chips and watch TV and the electrodes just the like electric, shake my shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That seems like the best way to go for me. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that'll work. Yeah, let me know if it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to lose this Santa belly. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you mentioned a shitload of them in this episode, but do you have any other like tips or tricks or shop hacks or anything that you you can think of? No, I really can't. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you gave us a bunch of them. Yeah, so. I, I, not anymore. Any, um, I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, you guys nailed a lot of them. I, you know, I watch your podcasts and everything, and uh, I don't think I got anything else for you. I think the best. Um, I think we we did nail them. And to recap, like how important it was and what you stressed to me is just first off, get a tension meter if you don't have one. Know your tension. I mean, that's just a, the very, I think that's the very first starting point of controlling like that variable, knowing if you're screwed. This is how, this is why we switched to a different restretchers. Um, we were getting screens in, we didn't have a, a tension meter and I was assuming they were, they were tight. They were what we wanted. I was assuming it. And then over time I was noticing like, these just aren't really, you know, I didn't have anything to compare them to. Like I wasn't getting in fresh batches that were like really, really different. And so they were, they were crummy. They were terrible. I got a tension meter and I found out they were all, some of them didn't even register. That's how bad they were. Like okay. they, I didn't know that was such a thing. They didn't register on my tension meter. And so, um, I mean, get a tension meter, start there because so many problems, so many of your problems, like ghosting, if you're double hitting a white or something, so many of your problems start there. Absolutely. Tension meter. It was a great tip earlier. And, and I feel like this is a screen printing one-on-one thing, but it's, it's really just needs to get drove into people's minds. Is like, stop thinking of like your screen guy is like the bottom of the barrel guy in the shop, you know, like pre-press is like super important. Like if you, very take, important. if you take the time to do like good screens and you pay attention to what your EOM is and you get all that stuff dialed in, printing is so much easier. Like, just having things burned and ready for your guy on press or, you know, making sure your screens are cleaned and there's no pinholes in your screens. And you got to think guys with pinholes before it was like, when you get on press, you print a hundred shirts and find out there's two pinholes or up your job. Yeah. You got to like tape, stop and tape stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. just take care of all that stuff first. Like that should be your priority. Let me add to that uh, tension meter. Um, it's very important to have a tension meter, but another thing is make sure that tension meter is calibrated every six months to a year. Okay. And Frank will do that for you too. I sent I, mine to him. I will. And, and, uh, and actually make sure in the, the second part B to that is don't buy a too cheap of one. Don't, don't. Um, I, I've, I've actually bought some from Amazon. I'm got them overseas. They're a hundred bucks, whatever. They work good for about two weeks. And then when we check them against our digital ones and everything else, they're just crap. Um, tension meters aren't cheap. You're going to spend three to $400 minimum on them. Um, I like I said, I will recalibrate for you. I just won't certify them for you. But if you ever <laughs> want to check them into me, bring them in and I'll do them. Because we send ours out religiously every six months. Um, I, I, got, I got one that cost me like 
twelve hundred bucks, a digital one, really nice one, even. I mean, we that we, Andy has that he hasn't given back yet. No, <laughs> Andy has my thousand dollar thickness gauge meter though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the thing's awesome. Um, you know, other tools are the thickness gauge meter. Um, an aqua check is a really good um, tool to have to make sure you don't have moisture in your screens, in your emulsion itself. That's really good. Weren't you telling me or somebody here about um, some sort of device that can measure if the screen is exposed all the way? Um, that's just a, your Stouffer scale. You can use a Stouffer scale. Um, what's you know, that? Like, uh, like Stouffer's lasagna? Uh, no, like a 21-step uh, <laughs> grayscale. Um, hold on one second. Oh, hold no. On. I know. You're, you're talking about just an exposure calculator. Well, not an exposure calculator. That's actually different than any, um, a 21-step. Hold on one second. Let me grab it real quick. Yep, sure. Hey there, Dylan. Is that you? I can't tell. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, it, it, it's like you, you want to hold a uh, six or seven. That's all this is. Throw it on your screen every once in a while. Um, as you expose it, you want to hold a number seven as you expose in it, and just making sure that your screens are exposed correctly. They're not underexposed or overexposed. You you know you just have issues in your reclaim. They're they're really cheap, and just leave it by your exposure unit and do a check every once in a while. It's like putting a piece of film on your on your uh, screens and then when you develop it, you're washing it out and you want to hold seven steps under. That, that's a great tool to have. Um, you know, all these tools are great for your QC and everything. You don't have to have them. Um, talk to your your local supplier and say, hey, can I borrow it or, you know. So th this here, they're cheap. You should Everyone should have them in their shops. Yeah, I think if you're going to make one investment, start with the tension meter and then the the thickness gauge, like you said, is expensive, but I want one. You told me not to buy one, but yeah, I, I want one. You know, I, I really do. I want to be able to. Well, if you really want to go out there, get the, get an RZ uh, RZ meter. What's, See, what's that? It actually checks the the smoothness of your screens. I'm just kidding. You don't have to waste your money on that. There, <laughs> there, there is that. <laughs> he just he just bought one. He he's looking into it as soon as this episode's over. <laughs> Sounds awesome, though. Yeah. 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 Well, um, let's see. So we have some quick takes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls right out of bed into brushing. Yeah. Um, it, it, you mean when I come to work or when I'm at home? Hey, either. I'm good with either. Yeah. I brush my teeth, jump in the shower, come to work. What do you, what do, you do when you get to work first thing in the morning? Because mine is not at all work-related. Um, like when I get here in the morning, I like have time to myself because nobody's here because I get here early. And like I'll eat my breakfast and I'll like watch YouTube videos. And that has nothing to do with printing. It's just me by myself getting ready for the day. Yeah, I... Um, Every day, every day, come in here, turn the lights on, um, just making sure we see what got finished up last night. Come to my computer and actually watch some YouTube videos. Hell yeah. Yeah. See, I, me I, and Frank are on the same wavelength. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't brush my teeth first out of bed. I, t I go to the shower first. I don't know why. And then I go to put my contacts in and then, and then I brush my teeth. But... Um, that's really interesting stuff. But what I do when I first get here, <laughs> never, 
Never, never do I watch YouTube videos first. So I'm going to try that tomorrow though. You should. Um, it puts yeah. you in a different mindset. It does. And then like Dylan said, you're like left alone. No one's bothering you. You know, um, if, and so I, I watch them at night too. Uh, but if I'm watching them during the day and I got employees coming in, they're thinking I'm, I'm playing games and what kind of examples in my setting. Right. Uh, well, maybe here's the difference is that you don't really have a commute Dylan. And I have, you know, I drive, you know, 15 minutes. And so that 15 minutes is, is my alone time or is my time I'm, thinking or listening to a podcast or whatever, getting ready for the day. So by the time I'm here, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just saying like I could get up in the morning at home and like automatically be like, Oh, it's Tuesday or whatever. And you start thinking about the jobs you got to get out or the talks you have to have with certain employees. And it's like, I have that, that mode in my head of what I'm thinking. And then I sit down and I watch like a funny YouTube video or something that's, you know, educational or whatever and it puts me in a better mood it makes me like ready when okay it's nine o'clock and start time for me to start i just like shut them off and now i'm like i feel like i'm in a better place i'm ready to go understand yeah, yeah. all right second one best recent purchase oh for work it would probably be some grinding equipment yeah yeah, I that, that was one thing. That, that was one thing we can ask too. Is like when people send you restretches, do you get a lot that are just like terrible that you have to like grind dirty or something? Down? Yeah, uh, just like dirty screens. Uh, yeah, our policy is we don't want screens with wet ink or any excessive tape on there. Um, if it's too much, if there's way too much ink on there, I I'll hit you with a cleaning charge. Okay, um, I don't want my guys picking up the frames, getting it on their hands and then getting that ink on all my other equipment. So that's why I tell them. Yeah. But even if, even if they cut the mesh off and rip the, rip the mesh off, like still the old glue and stuff, you have to grind all of those. right? Yeah. We, we take all that off and I don't care if there's mesh or glue on there. Um, we take that all off when the screen comes into us. Um, most people don't even know this and I probably should mention this, but we actually check for squareness and flatness of the screen. That's important. Um, yeah. Of the frame, you mean? Yeah, you know, the frame itself before we even uh, send it to our stretching department. So um, usually customers send up beat up screens. Um, they're going back a lot better than they were, they came into me. So it's what it's one do of you our have services. A way, do you have a way to like re-square it or bend it or something? To get yeah, it we, we just check it with measurements. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll put them back into if, if they're if they're warped uh, where they're rocking up and down, you know, the two corners um, are rocking up and down. We'll we'll straighten it out for you so that it's level. Um, so awesome. we're not a machine shop, but it's it's pretty flat. Right. So nice. But that's one of our services that we do. Uh, we stretch a lot of screens that customers have bought over the years that aren't even ours. So, you know, we want to make sure everything's square for them right oh that's awesome do you uh, i guess you do you reject some of them when you get them if you're like uh we will it's amazing some of the screens that we do stretch that are so beat up but then yeah we definitely make calls to customers and say hey listen we got to retire the screen it, it's you know <laughs> we will we got to throw it in the scrap pile or i'll send it back to you you know unable to stretch that's a nice way to put it we got to retire this screen <laughs> <laughs> so. all right next dylan uh, last book read or oh, listen to. Yeah. I don't listen to read books. Uh, geez. just shirt show. 
it's not a book, but I, I yeah, yeah I, I'm reading magazine articles. I'm on the internet and stuff. I'm I definitely reading industry stuff. Last book, probably Killing Mockingbird back in high school. Oh, that's that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So You haven't read a book since high school? Really? That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I can't say that I have. I mean, yeah. I don't blame you. I've only honestly done a couple and they're like specific, <laughs> like like industry stuff. And I didn't read them. I listened to them. It was an audio book. Yeah. So. I get it. You know, we have busy lives. I get it. Um, all right. Oh, so. Arnold Palmer. Uh, yeah, definitely. Hell yeah. Get some sponsorship for him. That's a good one. <laughs> we used to pound those. And then I found out how much sugar and high fructose corn syrup are in them. And I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't drink those. As it much said anymore. light on there. Yeah, I get the light. <laughs> it makes it all better, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so here's a real important one. Chicago, New York, or St. Louis-style pizza? Uh, I don't know what St. Louis is, but... I think it's just frozen pizza. <laughs> St. Louis ain't got shit. Uh, I'm going to take a lot of slack for this, but I actually like New York-style pizza. Hell yeah. The deep dish um, Chicago pizza. I'm not a, I like it, but I actually like New York style. The, the really thin crust and everything, you fold it over. I like the Chicago, how they do the sauce on top. Yeah, I, I, that's a deep dish. I, I'm not a huge fan of deep dish. So right on. It's just more of like a, it's not even really pizza though. It's like, you have to eat it with a fork. You do, you do. I mean, you can get regular, uh, we got great pizza, don't get me wrong. Um, I think Chicago probably has the best food all just in general. Um, I've been to New York, I've been St. Louis and I just like wherever I just, Chicago does have the best food in general. Easy. No, you guys come into town. I'll take you to some restaurants when, uh, when uh, this whole COVID thing is, whether it's Italian steak, I I just, I'm down. Yeah. I'm always down to eat. I don't care. Yeah. I really think we got the best food though, but I will say New York style pizza is my, I like that better. What's a, what's a place that you really want to visit once COVID's over? I have no ambition of traveling outside of the United States <laughs> at all. Um, do you go to, do you go to like Long Beach and stuff like that? I do. Yeah. We, we exhibit. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we, we do three or four trade shows a year. Yeah. I saw you there just this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna go it. and tell you about how I printed on water with one of my stacks. <laughs> I'll never forget that story. I'm gonna be honest. I I just looked at this guy and I just like do me a favor, get away from me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't take a lot of vacations. I take extended weekends when uh, you know three four day weekends. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big guy in traveling. Um, just never have been. So it's all right. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of flying either, but I just, my ambition and wanting to go places outweighs that fear. So I just do it anyway. Yeah. See, I, I, geez, I, I I actually love flying. I'm I'm that guy that before we take off from uh, the gate, I'm that guy snoring in the seat. (laughs) Flying doesn't bother me. (laughs) Not me. I'm staring forward, both hands on the thing, sweating the entire time. Every bump, I'm just like, let me out. (laughs) <laughs> I heard I heard flying is better than ever now. I heard it's cleaner. I heard it's less crowded and just easier all around. Like I, it, you know, I've heard the same thing. It was great when I came to see you, Andy. Like the plane was empty. I didn't even 
Like I literally was the only person in line in Syracuse to go through TSA. Like it was yeah. like, I just, I felt like an idiot because you know how they weave back and forth. And I did like 10 of those by myself <laughs> to get to the front of the line. Like the one dude's looking right at me and I'm just like, Nope, doing the whole thing. <laughs> and I just like walked the whole loop. Yeah. It was funny. We were look, really looking forward to this episode. We, we really wanted to get out a bunch of screen knowledge and share the stuff that, you know, we learned from you and the, definitely the improvements we put in our shops from the screen. Yeah. So definitely happy that you did this with us. You guys got plans for the holiday? <laughs> uh, we don't have plans for just sort of like what we did for Thanksgiving. I mean, we're just, you know, it's, it's going to be a small nothing really, you know, it's crazy. Um, yeah. What's going on right now. So um, it's what it is though. And we'll just spend some time, uh, some downtime. We're going to close uh, for, for like 10 days. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It's actually only four work days, how it works out, but it's, we're going to close for 10 days. Um, but, you know, I, I hope I, hope I conveyed how, how helpful you've been the past couple of years as we've converted over and tried to learn about screen have. mesh because, you know, uh, you get so busy with just trying to get jobs out the door and, you know, you know that there's certain problems that you want to work on and you just don't have the time. And, and I want to, I really do. I thank you for being there and, and helping me You're welcome. Um, get to the next, uh, next level for sure. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, thanks again. Thanks for, for all that. And I'm glad you came on the show and um, I hope everybody, um, you know, gained some knowledge about screens today. Yeah. I, I thank you for having me on. Uh, anyone has questions, they always f- feel free to contact me. And you can borrow anything that's his and not give it back. <laughs> you have to give it back. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. So, otherwise, you get a bill. <laughs> All right, Frank. Well, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you later. Yeah, guys. Have a great Christmas. Uh, happy New Year. And, you know, hopefully, like, this COVID thing's over and we get back to normal, right? Yeah. And we'll hang out and get some food. Definitely. Definitely. Cheers to that. All right, man. All right, see guys. You have a great night. See you, dude. Goodbye. Hey. Are you sweating underneath there? Very much so. <laughs> you could have taken the beard off, you know? No. I don't know. I don't know how you did it. I don't, you committed. Like, you weren't playing around. You were Santa. You were, you were fucking I'm Santa the, whole, Claus. the yeah. whole episode. Yeah. I literally but bought I, this just for this. It was like 100 bucks. You're crazy, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, I, was like, uh, I, I just more wanted to do it, honestly, not it to be Santa, but at all, but to be just to see the look on your face when I popped up, because you're always <laughs> like, why didn't you warn me about this thing you were going to do? And I just really wanted to be to you to be like you motherfucker. That was yeah. worth a hundred dollars. I just Probably wanted to did. see the look on your face. That's all it was worth for me. Well, glad I, it's cause glad I love I, you. Glad that you got some joy at my expense. Cool. And your <laughs> expense, apparently.